0: Hey, everybody, it is Thursday, September 14th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Nununu
1: And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Happy Thursday to everyone. Uh, fascinating, Jill. One of the stories we have in the pod today involves a politician who is saying in their 70s that <laughs> it's time for a new generation and they're not going to run for re-election.
1: Mitt Romney, good old Mitt Romney. Doing the math and realizing he'll be in his 80s if he wins another term.
0: Right, which I thought was a prerequisite to being president. You have to be at least 80 years old now. (laughs) Mitt's like, move on over, folks. It's time for us to get out of the way. We'll have more on that in the podcast. But it's just, it's refreshing to see that from a politician.
1: All right, let's get to some news here. The escaped convicted killer in Pennsylvania has finally been found. How police eventually got him. Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg finally found something that they agree on, and it has nothing to do with the potential cage match. On to politics. Why Mitt Romney says he is not running for re-election. No surprise to anyone who buys anything. Inflation headed back up, but there is some good news.
0: We try to find some for you guys in the (laughs) podcast every day.
1: Meanwhile, a judge has temporarily blocked New Mexico's governor from suspending the right to carry firearms in public in the state. Plus, we have Hurricane Lee's expected path, and a cyber attack hits a huge casino chain. Plus, Moshe has on the day in history
0: a certain song that begins like this turns thirty years old today. Sha la 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 la. You got it? No, I'm totally, st-
1: I'm totally <laughs> stumped. Do it again.
0: <laughs> Sha la 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 la. Hmm. Uh huh.
1: I guess I'll have to wait until on this day. I really have no idea.
0: Jill, you'll have to wait for on this day for that one. Uh, but one other famous song was written today that begins with Oh Say Can You See. Do you know that one?
1: <laughs> I think I've heard of it. <laughs> All right, let's get to the news here. That convicted murderer who escaped a Pennsylvania prison nearly two weeks ago was taken into custody on Wednesday morning ending a massive manhunt that involved hundreds of law enforcement officials searching the area. Convicted murderer Danilo Cavalcante faces life behind bars after he was found guilty last month of murdering his former girlfriend in front of her two children. He is also wanted for a 2017 homicide case in Brazil. So how did cops eventually find him? Well, they received a number of tips over the course of two weeks. And on Tuesday, police sectioned off an eight to 10 square mile perimeter in Northern Chester County, about 30 miles from the prison where he escaped. By early Wednesday, they started to close in on him. And at 1 a.m., a DEA aircraft picked up a heat-seeking signal and started to track it as tactical teams converged. Upon the area. And then somehow a lightning storm forced the aircraft to have to leave, which slowed down the tracking process. But law enforcement secured the area. They waited overnight until the tracking could start again. And then at 8 a.m., tactical teams surrounded that heat source in a wooded area. Cavalcante was asleep, but tried to escape once again through an underbrush with a rifle. And then a police dog named Yoda eventually located him. Yoda bit him. But he was captured and no shots were fired.
0: Yeah, pretty remarkable. Kudos to Yoda, the uh, hero canine there. Officials hosted a press conference early on Wednesday to announce the arrest, explain what went down uh, and that they were able to get him without a fight. You know, he did try to crawl away, but he didn't try to shoot at them, it appears. His escape, though, from Chester County Prison has raised concerns over what seems to be very clear security breaches. We've played this video for you over on Instagram. The five 5'2", 120-pound Cavalcante seen on camera crab walking up parallel walls onto the roof. It's actually something that another prisoner did a few months back. They added barbed wire to the roof, but clearly that wasn't enough. And then Calvacante did the same thing. He, you know, looks around. And then just starts crab walking up those two walls. Since the escape, the 18-year veteran guard who was on duty has been fired. Apparently, he was on his phone at the time. Commissioners have said they need to implement immediately new reinforced security measures. And so we will continue to monitor that. In the meantime, when Cavalcante was found, he was wearing a Philadelphia Eagle sweatshirt. It turns out in that area, you can't go more than 10 feet or look in anybody's house or garage without finding an Eagles hoodie. The governor of Pennsylvania there, Josh Shapiro, has promised to replace any stolen sweatshirts. Uh, There were at least two taken, and he's offered to upgrade them to the latest new uh, colors An offer that Eagles Nation seems to have backed here. A lot of them writing Fly Eagles Fly over on Twitter. Shortly after the arrest, a large group of officers posed for a photo with Cavalcante, who was in handcuffs, soaking wet, and wearing that Eagles hoodie. He was also wearing dark work boots that he stole from a house. The deputy commissioner of operations for Pennsylvania State Police, George Bivens, he's been doing a lot of the briefings, defended the photo, defended his team, despite some criticism, saying, I'm aware that there was a photo taken with officers and Cavalcante. Those men and women worked amazingly hard through some trying circumstances. They're proud of their work. I'm not bothered at all by that. They took a photo with him in custody. We also heard from a number of you in the Monus community, some of you who were upset by that photo, that it you know, seemed like a trophy hunter type photo. And then those of you saying, you know, the guy's a convicted murderer. These folks worked hard uh, day in, day out, 24-hour shifts to get him, and they deserve it, including a couple of you who work in law enforcement who are like, this is totally commonplace as a thing to do. We have gotten a few questions in regards to Cabo Conte's immigration status. He is here illegally from Brazil, and people are wondering, why didn't we deport him? Why is he, you know, here? Why is he in prison? And so we looked into this and discovered that, number one, there's about more than 11 million illegal immigrants living here in the U.S. Uh, The U.S. was not alerted to the fact that he was even here until he murdered his girlfriend here in the U.S. He was put on trial. It turns out that we typically deport people who commit lower crimes when it comes to things like murder. We feel it is best here in the U.S., Despite the fact that someone might have come here illegally to convict them and put them in prison here, it turns out that other countries are not required to hold people in jail for crimes they commit here in the. US. So even if we deported him to Brazil where he is wanted for a crime, it, you know we can't be sure that he would stay in prison. And so the. US typically when it comes to this level of crime, even if committed by a non-citizen, tends to hold these people uh, in. US prisons. Jill, finally, one other uh, thing I want to mention, just because it got a lot of attention on social yesterday. There was a jokester in the press conference uh, among the media who asked this question. Sir, was there any concern that he would team up with another small man to step inside the trench coat little rascal style? No. (laughs) Yes, that is someone asking the police officials whether they were concerned that Cal Valcante, who's 5'2", would have found another short man put on a trench coat And done a little rascals thing (laughs) to try to get beyond authorities. While we have seen, you know, jokers in official press conferences before, what is amazing is that the cops keep the serious faces throughout the question and the answer. And you hear Bivens there just say, no, we were not worried about that.
1: I guess most this is why I could never be a PIO or or do those press conferences (laughs) because I could barely get through the podcast without laughing
0: I mean I think Bivens is just like he's been at it for two weeks doing press briefings he was like 40 minutes into the press conference answering questions about what went down and he's like (laughs) the hell did that guy ask (laughs) (laughs) little rascals trench coat no moving on
1: All right, turning to politics and tech, it was a who's who of the tech world converging in D.C. today for a historic six hour meeting about artificial intelligence. There were about 20 tech CEOs, including Tesla CEO Elon Musk and Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg. No cage match on Wednesday. We're told it was all quite cordial, but that Musk and Zuckerberg were on opposite ends of the room And they and most of the other tech CEOs actually agreed that government really needs to do something to regulate AI as chat GPT and other generative AI are just getting smarter by the day, able to create human-like images and text. The only problem is that no one could really agree on what to do about it or what any type of congressional framework for AI should actually look like. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, acknowledging this. He said Congress has a really difficult job basically trying to figure out how to reap the benefits of the technology while minimizing the risks. The one thing that is pretty clear after this meeting is that lawmakers are really not even close to coming up with any type of plan and certainly not any type of legislation.
0: Yeah, they've had 10 hearings on this this year, Biden has convened people. Uh, and so far, they haven't quite figured it out. And lawmakers have been trying for years to find ways to regulate the tech sector. As the Washington Post points out in the past five years, lawmakers have not passed a single comprehensive law to protect data privacy, regulate social media, or promote fair competition by tech giants. You know, when you look at the list of the largest companies on earth, uh, the top five includes Apple, Microsoft, And Google, meta not far behind there, that is despite, again, numerous congressional hearings, uh, spent grilling tech executives about the role of social media, election manipulation, abuses of user data, and monopoly-like behaviors. Lawmakers, industry and civil rights leaders and tech industry advocates say the U.S. cannot afford a repeat of past attempts to craft tech legislation, which became mired in partisan battles, industry lobbying, competing congressional priorities, Uh, Jill, also for many years, the philosophy from Congress was hands off, let tech grow. Internet is a new thing. Congress and the government are going to just mess it up. But there's been an admission in recent years that that laissez-faire, that hands-free policy, allowed uh, these companies, allowed social media to do what is done to society. And they can't allow a repeat here with AI given even how much more powerful AI is. At one point, Chuck Schumer asked the room if government should intervene when it comes to AI. Everyone raised their hands.
1: They looked around first, though, to see who else was going to raise their hands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't be you can't be that person in the room not raising their hand. Keep in mind, about two thirds of the Senate was in the room, uh, as you mentioned, a number of top tech CEOs, so a pretty significant group. And everyone agrees that something needs to be done. Elon Musk, of all people, actually said that he could envision a regulator, an agency dedicated to AI uh, by the government. He compared it to the issue of seatbelts in cars decades ago, that the government has to intervene here with some rules. The U.S. is far behind Europe, other governments around the world when it comes to regulating technology. We often talk about the Europeans. It's one of the reasons even that the iPhone, as of this week, has the USB-C cable because Europe likes to get involved, likes to protect the consumer, likes to protect privacy. And in the U.S., we tend to be much more hands-off. Now, keep in mind, most of these companies are located in the U.S., so we have an incentive to let these companies grow. Another place where a bunch of these AI companies are located is China. And incidentally, China just passed a law related to AI. So the U.S., again, far behind here. Jill, fun fact from yesterday. Forbes tried to count up the net worth of the room, given the billionaires that were there. A cool $500 billion (laughs) in people.
1: Must be nice.
0: By the way, half of that is (laughs) just Elon. He's worth like close to $250 billion. And then the rest of the room is the other $250 billion. When
1: Mark Zuckerberg looks poor. I, I feel like that's when you when you know there's a problem.
0: Right. He's worth less than half of Elon It's about $110 billion as of today, Jill. All right. We have a lot more to get to in today's podcast, including the speed read and some fun additions to the On This Day in History. But first, I want to thank a couple of our sponsors. We'll begin here with one of our favorite items. We've talked about how we only like to endorse things on this podcast that we really love. And Bowling Branch Betting and Sheets is one of those brands. We've had them in this house for nearly a year now and have been loving them. They certainly made this summer of record heat a bit easier with some really soft and breathable sheets. Bull and Branch, that is B-O-L-L, and Branch sheets are made with organic cotton, not using those harsh chemicals that other brands use. The sheets do get softer with every wash. I can attest to it. I know Jill can, too. And right now, Bull and Branch is offering the Mo News community a special deal. You can get 15% off your first order. That is 1-5, 15% off when you use the promo code MONEWS at BullandBranch.com. That's bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code MONEWS. Exclusions do apply, so see the site for details.
1: And this show is also sponsored by BetterHelp. I'm really excited to have them on board. Given how much we talk about the importance of mental health on this podcast, getting over that threshold to talk to a therapist can be tough for some people. But talking to a therapist really can help you get through some major blocks and get clarity on things happening in your life. I know it has, for me personally, allowing me to process certain things and really move forward. And that's why we're just so glad to have BetterHelp as a sponsor here at MoNews. And we have a great deal for the MoNews community. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and it is designed to be convenient convenient flexible and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. You visit BetterHelp.com slash Mosh, M-O-S-H, today. You can get 10% off your very first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Mosh. All right, time now for the speed read from Politico. Senator Mitt Romney plans to retire at the end of his term next year rather than run for re-election. What?
0: (laughs) Double check it.
1: Um, It caps a lengthy career in Republican politics. The Utah senator is one of the most distinguished figures in the GOP, serving as a moderate Massachusetts governor, winning the party's presidential nomination in 2012, and then serving in the Senate since 2019 as a check on Trumpism. I just want to play a little bit from his statement earlier on Wednesday. I've spent my last 25 years in public service of one kind or another. At the end of another term, I'd be in my mid 80s. Frankly, it's time for a new generation of leaders. They're the ones that need to make the decisions that will shape the world they will be living in. Romney is 76, by the way, in case you couldn't do the math there uh, too quickly. He also said Wednesday that he didn't believe that either President Biden or former President Trump were willing to confront big challenges like climate change and the debt.
0: Yeah, by the way, Trump, Biden, both older than Romney uh, by a couple of years there. In an the interview last week, Romney said he still hadn't decided whether he was going to run for reelection. Colleagues in both parties, from Minority Leader Mitch McConnell to Senator John Tester, who happens to be a Democrat in nearby Montana, both encouraged him to run because that's what you do is you keep that position for life, Jill. Romney, though, not wanting to become one of the rest of his colleagues. He says he's done here. He, of course, entered the Senate with far more buzz than the typical freshman. He you know, happened to be the 2012 presidential candidate, losing to President Obama that year. And he has felt like he can take some risks here, make some deals Romney was the only Republican senator to support convicting President Trump at his first impeachment trial, and then, of course, was among the group that voted to convict Trump at the second impeachment trial. During the first couple of years of the Biden presidency, Romney was a key member of the Senate's bipartisan groups, playing a central role in the infrastructure law. He also supported bipartisan compromises on gun safety, marriage equality, microchip manufacturing despite other conservatives opposing it, not wanting to do anything with a Democratic president uh, in Biden. All along, Romney has earned the ire of Trump and his allies, starting with his condemnations of Trump's behavior, of his conduct, of course, voting to convict in the impeachment trials. Now, Romney would have likely faced a primary challenge in Utah had he run again, though his approval rating in the state continues to remain high. It really is a stunning contrast because the other senator from Utah Is Mike Lee, who is very hardcore conservative, very much not bipartisan. And Romney really wanted to come in there and show that there was a different way of doing politics. And he's doing it even with his departure here, you know, very George Washington style, like, I've served my time, it's time for a new generation. And it'll be interesting, Jill, to see if anyone heeds this call You can imagine Biden and Trump will not. And it does come a few days after Nancy Pelosi said she is running again, despite turning 84 next year. Uh, Jill, doing the math there, she would have been old enough to babysit Mitt Romney. She's eight years older than him.
1: Okay, so now I am picturing like a 13-year-old Nancy Pelosi babysitting for maybe a five-year-old Mitt Romney. Is that the age <laughs> we're thinking? Yeah, yeah, I'm
0: thinking like Mitt's in elementary school, Nancy's in in high school trying to like make some extra money as a babysitter. Uh, and that's where we're at. And now, what are we, 70 years later, and they're all in Congress together, but Mitt's the only one saying, <laughs> I have other things to do in my life. I don't know what's up with all you people who just want to be in Congress for the rest of time.
1: All right, let's turn to the economy and some new numbers on inflation. From CNBC, the Consumer Price Index shows that inflation rose in August, in part because of higher gas prices. But there is some good news for Americans. Economists say that the increase is likely temporary. So aside from energy, there are signs that inflation continued to go down in August. Inflation, again, it just measures how quickly prices Are rising across the US economy. So in August, the CPI increased 3.7% from 12 months prior. In July, it was only at 3.2%. So clearly that pace picked up. And for a little bit of perspective, the rate is significantly lower than where it was in June of 2022 at 9.1%, which was the highest level since 1981. A lot of numbers there, most The point really is, is you're not dreaming. Everything just costs a lot more money.
0: Yeah, though it's going up slower than it was before. Slight uptick in July. They see it potentially coming down again. Keep in mind what you talk about here in the Consumer Price Index, the CPI, as they refer to it. it, is a barometer of inflation. It measures the prices of everything from the groceries, the fruit, the produce that you're buying, to haircuts, to concert tickets. And as you mentioned, gas prices which jumped 11% nearly 11% in August gasoline costs 3.84 a gallon on average as of Tuesday according to AAA now while gasoline prices have risen in the short term they have declined from a year ago they're up from January they're down from last year And there are projections that the prices will gradually come down in the fourth quarter. You have seen some factors like Saudis and Russians uh, lowering oil production, which could impact, keep the the prices slightly elevated. Housing was the largest contributor to the rise of the inflation index in August, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. However, rent inflation is poised to keep falling. We recently told you about a rental uh, apartment construction across the country booming Other notable contributors to inflation over the past year include car insurance, which is up nearly 20% since last summer. We've talked about that on this podcast. One other bit of positive news, because we promised you a little bit of good news, there have been some easing price pressures on groceries. And so some economists call that a bright spot for consumers. Hopefully that means that your next trip to the grocery store will be slightly less pricey than the last one.
1: That so does not make me feel better because I feel like I spend all of my money on groceries and food, but maybe I'm just eating too much. I don't know. (laughs) All right. From Reuters, a federal judge in New Mexico on Wednesday issued a temporary restraining order against state governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's ban on carrying guns in Albuquerque and its surrounding county. The judge said the ban violated the U.S. Constitution, that U.S. District Court judge saying the governor's 30-day suspension of concealed and open firearm carry rights went against the recent U.S. Supreme Court rulings and violated the rights of law-abiding citizens to defend themselves. He said, quote, they just want the right to carry their guns talking about several plaintiffs who had requested restraining orders on that emergency public health order. The Democratic governor issued the suspension of firearm carry laws to offer a cooling off period, her words, in which authorities could address solutions to the state's high rates of gun crime after several children were fatally shot.
0: Yeah, there have been protests in recent days of defiant New Mexicans, uh, some led by the Republican Party in the state, carrying their guns in public, outside the Capitol there uh, with the rifles, with their arms. And so her order has outraged gun rights advocates. And it has drawn backlash not only from Republicans, but from fellow Democrats, law enforcement officials who called it unconstitutional. Albuquerque's mayor and the county sheriff, both Democrats, have urged the governor to call a special legislative session on gun crime and deal with it through the legislature. A number of the sheriffs in the state, you know, weren't enforcing this anyway. The New Mexico Chiefs of Police Association said every law enforcement officer in the state shares the governor's concern about gun violence, but this order was the wrong way to go. Uh, They're also calling on her to go to the state legislature and do it through that process. Uh, check of the numbers here gun violence kills about 500 people every year in new mexico it ranks sixth among u.s states for gun deaths per capita number one and two up there are louisiana uh mississippi and then new mexico is still there in the top 10 albuquerque is among the 10 most dangerous cities in america
1: for Matthew Weather, Hurricane Lee, not the Category 5 hurricane it once was over the open Atlantic, but meteorologists are warning that it will still unleash significant impacts in eastern New England and Atlantic Canada by this weekend. On Wednesday morning, Lee was a major Category 3 hurricane with sustained winds of 115 miles per hour. It was spinning less than 460 miles to the south, southwest of Bermuda. Lee did spend some time as a Category 2 hurricane on Sunday following a rapid intensification to a Category 5 hurricane with 165 mile per hour sustained winds on Friday while over the west-central Atlantic, which does make it the strongest storm of the 2023 Atlantic hurricane season so far.
0: Yeah, we've now had the equivalent of Category 5s in all of the major oceans this year, a rare occurrence. By the time Lee makes landfall, Here uh, over the weekend, it will have traveled about 3,000 miles since it first became a storm. Now, its impacts will depend on the exact track, but basically everywhere from Cape Cod, Boston, up through the main coast, you guys need to be on the lookout this weekend as it could make landfall anywhere between late Friday and early Sunday. Near where Lee rolls ashore, a significant storm surge will occur along with the strongest winds and risk of property damage north and west of Lee will be where heavy rain develops, causing a high risk of flooding for streams and rivers where several inches of rain could pour down in just a matter of hours. Meteorologists have given an all clear for most of the Atlantic coast. It really looks like it's aiming at New England here. But given how wide Lee is, we could be experiencing stuff in the tri-state area, Pennsylvania, Jersey, Long Island. Jill, I'm looking at you. (laughs) Uh, You could see some winds and rain this weekend, particularly Saturday. Don't host a barbecue if you were planning one.
1: This weekend is Rosh Hashanah Mosh, so no barbecues for us.
0: Yeah, the Jewish New Year, where brisket is a staple.
1: And maybe some challah. All right, from USA Today, a cyber attack hits MGM hotels and casinos. Over a dozen of their hotels and casinos had to shut down operations after a cyber attack on its computer systems Sunday left the resort chain vulnerable. Computer systems at all MGM properties have been shut down for the immediate future until the issue is resolved. MGM Resorts International is working with external cybersecurity experts to resolve these cybersecurity issues affecting some of the company's systems. The incident began on Sunday with guests sharing stories on social media about not being able to make credit card transactions, obtain money from cash machines, and enter hotel rooms using key cards. Videos showed that gambling machines had gone dark. But the company says that its resorts, dining, entertainment, and gaming are now operational but it didn't specify whether these operations were being handled manually. As of Wednesday, the MGM website still offline. I never thought about that uh, regarding hotel keys.
0: Yeah, the more we put online, the more we attach to computers, the more difficult it is when those don't work. MGM says reservations and casino floors in Vegas, as well as in Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, all affected. The FBI has begun investigating the cyber attack It's characterizing the investigation as ongoing so far. MGM and law enforcement agencies have not disclosed the origins of the cyber intrusion nor the extent of its impact. However, Bloomberg reports that people familiar with the matter have said that hackers, it's a group known as Scattered Spider, are the same group of attackers that breached Caesar's entertainment just weeks earlier. The hackers are demanding a ransom from MGM. Uh, And this is not the first issue MGM has dealt with. In 2019, they had a major cybersecurity issue that exposed personal information for about 11 million people. And so I've been hearing from a lot of people in the Vegas area who are concerned about this. You know, tourism is key there. And if these cyber attackers are able to breach these casino systems, uh, that's a major concern. All right. Now time for On the Day in History. Before we get to it, we want to thank one more sponsor today where we're talking about health trends, food trends. And one way to ensure you get all of your important nutrients is through Athletic Greens AG1 powder. I first tried AG1 when I was having trouble getting all of mine last year. It's just one scoop of the powder in a glass of water in the morning. It's easy. It's quick. It lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten all your important ingredients, tons of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics for your gut. And with your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D, five free travel packs. You can visit drinkag1.com. That is drinkag1.com slash news to take advantage of the offer. Again, drinkag1.com slash news. Just use the number one there. For this special deal, it'll allow you to start to really take ownership of your health. All right, now time for everyone's favorite segment on this day in history. Jill, I heard from a couple of people on Instagram this week that uh, some people like to forward to this section before they uh, get out of the car to go into school or work for the day.
1: Moshe, it's funny you say that because I was talking to my dad about the podcast earlier today, and he said the same thing, not that he skips to the segment, but that he loves it and that he feels like he learns something new each
0: day. All right, Warren Wagner, this is for you. (laughs) Let's begin in 1814. With one of the songs I mentioned at the top, Francis Scott Key wrote The Star-Spangled Banner on this day. It was a poem originally known as The Defense of Fort McHenry. He was witnessing the British bombardment of Fort McHenry, Maryland during the War of 1812 and is inspired. It turns out, though, this does not become the official U.S. national anthem for more than 100 years. Finally, in 1931 is when we adopt The Star-Spangled Banner as our national anthem. All right, fast forward to the 1960s. On this day in 1964, turning 59 years old today, the Pop-Tart.
1: What's your favorite Pop-Tart, Mosh?
0: Oh, it's frosted strawberry. You?
1: Brown sugar cinnamon. Although I quickly did a Google search and I see that they have a variety pack with both brown sugar cinnamon and frosted strawberry.
0: All right, once your kitchen renovation is <laughs> done, I'm looking forward to breakfast at your place with Wait. uh <laughs> with Pop-Tarts. Jill, this does remind me, though, that a couple years out of college, had a late night, might have had a few drinks. And I remember, you know, really craving Pop-Tarts. And it was the early days of the Amazon app. And I clearly didn't look at what I was ordering. And so I accidentally ordered several hundred boxes <laughs> of, of <laughs> Frosted Strawberry Pop-Tarts.
1: Were you like, why is this $200?
0: <laughs> I don't think I looked at the price. I think I it arrived. I was like, I thought I ordered like, Four boxes of Pop Tarts, but it was like four, like it was four huge. Anyway, needless to say, I had Pop Tarts for a couple of years. Actually, I would eventually meet Alex, and she would look in my cabinet. She's like, (laughs) "What are you doing with all these Pop Tarts?" And years later, I still hadn't finished all of them. And of course, that was it for those Pop Tarts.
1: They were probably still good,
0: (laughs) like the Twinkie. You can keep those in your cupboard for a couple of years. All right, fast forward to the '80s. One of our favorite TV shows, The Golden Girls. Thirty-eight years ago today, premiered on NBC. One notable thing about the show, each of the four stars received an Emmy award, making it one of the only sitcoms ever where all of the stars have won an Emmy.
1: Thank you for being a friend. One of my favorite shows.
0: Great theme song, great characters. Though, Jill, I do see the memes these days that show the ages of the Golden Girls in the 80s. And like what women now look like in their fifties. Oh,
1: I'm basically their age. <laughs> I just don't have the haircut. Right, a couple of them were in their forties and we call them golden
0: <laughs> girls. And now, you know, they do side-by-sides with like JLo and Jennifer Aniston. They're like, this is what people look like in their fifties now. All right. One other uh, iconic TV show, TRL. Total Request Live, hosted by Carson Daly. Premiered 25 years ago today in 1998. The show would last for just about 10 years till 2008 MTV did try to bring it back, like 2016, 2017, uh, in the YouTube era, and people are like, what is this about? Jill, tell your kids one day that they once had to wait until they got home from school for the premiere of a music video. They couldn't just cue it up on, uh, on their phone. All right, staying with music news here in 1974, on this day, I Shot the Sheriff hit number one on the music charts while the song had been written by Bob Marley. Eric Clapton's version was the one that ascended to the top of the charts.
1: Is that where you were singing at the beginning of the podcast?
0: Oh, no, no. That's this song. Sha la 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 la, Mr. Jones.
1: Oh, I love The Counting Crows.
0: On this day, 30 years ago, The Counting Crows released their debut studio album, August and Everything After. It includes, of course, Mr. Jones. And round here, some classics that still put you in a good mood 30 years later. Jill, as I was uh, digging around on Mr. Jones, I asked the question, who's Mr. Jones? So I decided to Google it. And in an interview about 10 years ago, Adam Duritz, who's the lead vocalist of Counting Crows, explained that the song was written for his friend Marty Jones, but it's actually a song about himself. So the two of them were drunk at a bar. The Counting Crows hadn't made it yet. And they saw a drummer for another band with three women, and uh, according to Duritz, he said, you know it seemed like we couldn't even talk to girls, we couldn't get anything, and we were thinking if we were rock stars, it would be much easier." So he got home from the bar and that night inspired him to write Mr. Jones
1: I want to be Bob Dylan. I love it, so there basically you go. it was about getting girls
0: It usually is Jill <laughs> guys are very simple creatures. <laughs>
1: All right, Moshe, I think we could end it there. A big thank you to everyone for listening to the Mo News podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And review us in the App Store.
0: And thanks to all of you who've been joining Mo News Premium. It's a way to support what we're doing here at Mo News. Help support the daily podcast, the daily newsletter, the Instagram feed. And what you get by joining Mo News Premium, you get a members-only podcast feed and a members-only Instagram account where you can ask your news questions, uh, get deep dives, get some behind-the-scenes content, dive into the issues in the news much deeper, more interviews, and some behind-the-scenes content. You can do that right now by heading over to mo.news/premium. We have a special deal right now for Mo News Premium with the code mo news trial. You'll get a 30-day free trial, so you can check that out again over at mo.news/premium. It's one way to support what we're doing here and we're so grateful to everyone who's already joined.
1: All right, bye everyone. Later. Thanks for listening to the Mo News podcast.